1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. And good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise. I'd like to begin today's MoneyWise show with a question. Do you have an elderly relative or friend who you think is being abused or taken advantage of by another relative or person? Because if you know this, what can you do about it? Well, today we're going to answer these very important questions. And I have two guests with me this morning. And MoneyWise, as you remember, is brought to you by USA Wealth Group. We're located at 352 Fonts Corner Road. First, I'd like to welcome my uh, partner, Attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning, everyone. And Tenny has done a lot of work in the area of elder abuse. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But mostly we're very pleased to welcome District Attorney Thomas Quinn. And, Tom, good morning to you. Morning, Ray and Tenny. Thank you for having me on today. Well, we're always happy to have you here. I want to start today with a compliment, Tom, because um, I follow politics like a lot of people do. And I have to say that I've always been very proud to have you as our district attorney in this area. I think you do an outstanding job. And you're coming up for re-election or election. I am. I appreciate that. I'm trying to do the best job I can with the help of many people. Uh, Time goes by quickly. It's over three and a half years that I have been the district attorney. Uh, And I am up for election this year. So looking forward to getting the people's support uh, once again. And the primary election is coming up on Tuesday. We're broadcasting on Sunday morning. Uh, Labor Day weekend, the day after Labor Day, the Tuesday after Labor Day, September 4th, is Election Day. It's very important to vote in this country. And unfortunately, only about half the people who are eligible to vote ever get out to vote. So if I leave you with no more important message today, it's this. Get out and vote on September 4th. And obviously, show your vote of confidence in our District Attorney, Tom Quinn. Cast a vote for Tom in the primary. Right, Tom? Yes, it is very important to vote, and uh, I appreciate if they consider me also. Well, today we're going to talk about elder abuse, elder fraud. I don't think there's anything more that defines a country, that defines a state, that defines who we are than how we take care of our elderly citizens. These are the folks that have raised us. These are the folks that have taught us the things that we know And I think one of the worst things that I've seen and witnessed is when people are being taken advantage of. And I'm going to give you some information today uh, to our district attorney that two weeks ago, Tenny and I did a seminar in our office. And I want to tell this story sort of first. We had a gentleman that came up to us just before the seminar, and he gave me this blue piece of paper. I asked if I could make copies of it. And it's a copy, supposedly, of a check for $1.6 million. And it says on it, Publishers Clearinghouse. And it's made out to the name of this gentleman. I'm not going to read his name on the air, obviously. And basically, it says that, congratulations, he's being awarded a check for $1.6 million. And he wanted to know what I thought about it. And I said, it's a fraud. It's a scam. I said, don't respond. He said, well, they want to meet with me. And he also said... I got two telephone calls. They were both from lawyers. He says, I got a call from one person. I said, do you know his name? And he said, no. He said, I got a call from this lawyer who said that their normal practice is they take a 20% fee of this $1.6 million check. He said, but then they called me a couple of days later and said they're willing to take only a 10% fee. 
And I said, this is a fraud. I actually, when I was introduced to do my presentation at the seminar, I talked about this. I didn't embarrass the gentleman or anything. But I said, do me a favor. I said, when you get the call back and they want to meet you, I said, please call and let me know the time and the date because what I want to do is I want to call the district attorney's office and I want to have somebody there or I'll go there with you or we'll both go there and we'll see what shows up. I said, they're going to ask you for your account number and they're going to there's going to be a financial issue involved. But unfortunately, I never heard back from this guy. You must see this kind of a thing a lot, I would think, Tom. Yes, you're right. It's a scam. Nothing's for free. Uh, I think uh, when people get calls of this nature, when someone hears something's for free, maybe that brings out something in all of us that it's uh, uh, be nice to get. But any calls for fr- that you're winning something uh, – uh, scam calls designed to get information from you and take money from you that you will never see again, especially in these types of uh, uh, scams. Uh, So it's constant. My advice is very simple. I would not be answering the phone unless it's a number that you know at home uh, or the doctor's number or something like that because – most people have uh, your cell phone number and people calling, especially during the day, nothing good's going to come of it. Mm. Yep. And, and I think for our elderly folks who are very, you know, uh, well-mannered in many respects, it's tough to hang up on people. But again, nothing's good going to come from a call, somebody soliciting you, for, especially for your information. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to give a little background information on our district attorney. Um, he was uh, actually, he's been in the office since January of 2015. You were appointed by Governor Charlie Baker. Uh, you're up for election Tuesday following this broadcast, um, and please vote. You're a graduate of Dartmouth High School. Uh, you also received a bachelor's degree from Holy Cross. Um, you know, there's another really famous school in Worcester that uh, Tenny and I both went to. We both went to Clark University. But we, we weren't exactly rivals except in basketball. <laughs> right? That's right. <laughs> and then you went to uh, Suffolk Law School for your law degree, um, I know that you also attend your uh, parishioner at Holy Name Church in Fall River. I also learned that you are on the Holy Name Parish Finance Council. And yes. The reason I find that interesting is because I'm on the finance committee of my church, uh, which is the Dartmouth Congregational Church in uh, Payton Aram. Where I used to play basketball at many years ago. Mm-hmm. So we have some interesting little similarities in our background, but... Um, you do some things that um, I would never do in my career. Um, you're also a youth mentor at Nativity Prepar- Preparatory School in New Bedford, and I think that's kind of important. I think everything we can do to help our kids is a, a super thing to do. And um, you live currently in Fall River, I believe? Yes. Good. So you really have covered the whole territory here, haven't you? Good part of it. Yep. Well, let's talk a little bit about elder abuse, and I started out the show today by saying how important it is and how we define our character by how well we take care of our elderly, and in your case in particular, and your good staff, it's really how well you protect the public from elder fraud, and I'm sure you're seeing a lot of that today, aren't you? Yes, it's massive. Um, I'd go back over three years— you know, in talking with my uh, 
top deputy, it became clear that we uh, had to focus on this issue for the reasons you said, that our elderly have given much uh, to our country. They've made these communities what they are, raising families, working, setting a good example. And I'm simply not going to stand by and watch them being taken advantage of during the part of their life where they should be, God willing, with health issues and that, enjoying uh, uh, their the latter part of their life. So what I've done uh, and increased it gradually is created an elder fraud unit, a financial crimes unit that mm-hmm. has a, a focus on elder fraud. Uh, I have staffed it, uh, have an investigator and a support group uh, that can focus on these crimes uh, because they're difficult to prosecute in many instances. You are – if it's a – a scam over the phone, it's unlikely that the case can be prosecuted because you can't find the people. But uh, seniors taking advantage of by family members, friends, contractors, uh, if there is evidence in the case, we can prosecute those cases. I would say over the last three years, we but, <coughs> excuse me, brought charges in a number of cases Good. that we would not, it would not have been done in the past. So I'm very proud of that. Uh, I'm not going to let up. Uh, I've made the effort during the past three and a half years to go to uh, every uh, council on aging in the county more than once. Right, I know two, you have. Two and three, and I'm going to continue to do that. Well, it's interesting that in the year that you first became district attorney, Consumer Reports, a highly respected magazine, in November of 15 came out with a cover story called a crying shame. Seniors and their families lose $3 billion a year to con artists. What can we do to stop them? And inside it said, in a recent study, about 1 in 20 seniors said they were financially abused. If a new disease struck that many older Americans, the report noted, a public health crisis would be declared in this country. So it is a serious problem. Don't think that it's not. Um, and we, we are very much appreciative of everything that you're doing. I'm going to actually give this article to you, uh, Tom. Thank you. And Thank you. You may have already seen it or your staff may have seen it, but it's, it's a useful resource. Um, Attorney Tenney Lance is with us this morning. Tenney, you've done a lot of work with um, Council on Aging. You've helped them do grant applications. And you've seen instances even in your own law practice of situations where people have been taken advantage of. And I know I have and I know you have. And we're going to talk about a couple of those little stories today. I just mentioned the story about this $1.6 million check. This is only two weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen, that occurred. Um, And we're going to talk – well, I'll I'll tell the story right now. I have a client in Somerset, Massachusetts, who came to see us, and she was in need of doing a reverse mortgage because she was in debt. And the reason she was in debt is because – her grandson, who was living in an apartment with her, had used $300,000 of her money and drained all of her money. And the shame of it is that the son, the lady's son and the father of the grandson, didn't even know that this was taking place. Why? Because the mother, the, the grandmother in this case, who was being taken advantage of didn't want to talk about it. And she thought she was helping the young grandson who had drug issues. And he supposedly was going for drug treatment, $300,000. When it finally came to a stop was because she had some credit cards. And when she ran out of money, he took her to ATMs, and he was taking three and $400 a time out of her uh, credit cards. And she ran up a $20,000 debt on a credit card. And she came to see me to say, how can I pay my credit card? 
And at that point, we got the son involved, uh, the father of this young man, and basically were able to stop it. But it happens all the time. People would be shocked and outraged at what goes on with respect to uh, our uh, elderly population and, in many cases, family members taking advantage of them. I mean, grandparents love their grandchildren. Uh, Unfortunately, as you just alluded to, uh, drugs uh, are involved in many of these cases. Uh, This may not be a crime, what you said, because if she's acquiescing to it. Right. But it's still something that shouldn't happen. Um, And I I think – I hate to say this, but as much as uh, there's love there for for children and grandchildren, there's an – enabling aspect to this which is going to ruin you the person financially and i think as difficult as it is supporting people financially like that is a mistake it's one thing trying to help people get into treatment and that but assisting whether it's unwittling or not in a drug a drug habit nothing good's going to come of that as a matter of fact if i can quickly state about two or three years ago it was brought to my attention that there was an individual uh living with his grandmother um was on probation in the New Bedford District Court, was doing a similar thing. Supposedly, he had t- gotten money from her under false pretenses to the tune of thirty dollars or $40,000. Someone calling up saying, if you don't give this money to him, he's going to be sent to jail because of probation. Well, he skipped town. I found out he was down in the Carolinas. I ordered our fugitive unit to get him. They got him, brought him back. He was on probation. He was sent to jail on his probation case. And his grandmother was came in, didn't want to be there, but knew she was there, had to do it, knew she had to do it because it was what was right, even though it hurt her. And there's another example just to support what you're saying. That's a criminal aspect to it, mm-hmm. but uh, there's somebody, the, the grandparents have worked hard supporting their, their, their grandchildren and are being ruined financially in, in many cases. It's very sad. Their own retirement, their own health, and unfortunately, we, I've seen a lot of cases of it, and Tenny has seen a lot of cases of it. You know, even back to the time of the ancient Greeks, Sophocles said, rather fail with honor than succeed by fraud. So even back then, they were talking about fraud and the importance of fraud. Tenny, you you had a situation not long ago, Attorney Tenny Lance, when you had a gentleman come in, and he was with a caregiver. He was elderly. And I think he wanted to talk to you privately afterwards because he was being taken advantage of um, by the caregiver, if I remember. And so you have to be cautious about that situation too, don't you? Well, if anyone is going to hire a caregiver, whether it's just a companion or somebody to give skilled care, please do background checks on these folks uh, because in this situation, this fellow uh, came in with a very young supposed caregiver, and he wanted to name this person as his power of attorney agent. Um, And I said to him in front of her who was with him, uh, the same thing I say to everyone who wants to do a power of attorney, you need to trust the agent that you name because they could wipe you out. Well, this young woman who was with him got furious at me for saying that and left the room. Um, it was obvious to me that that was what her intent was eventually. <laughs> sad, sad. So if you're an adult child, for example, and you think that one of your parents perhaps is being taken advantage of or has a caregiver, 
you need to be really cautious and investigate. You need to know, you need to know the background of that person, don't you? You really should. If you hire, it's often best to hire through some kind of agency that does these sorts of checks and has uh, some bonding or other insurance that would would cover if you were uh, later to be ripped off by this person. We had a, a, a group called Visiting Angels on the show just a few weeks back, and one of the questions I asked in the middle of the show is, all right, so you hire people who are going into people's homes. I said, do you do background checks? And they said, oh, absolutely. They do full, total background checks. You have to know the people who are taking care of your elderly parents, especially if you're out of state. We're pleased this morning that we're meeting with a District Attorney Thomas Quinn, and Tom is running for election. You can vote for him on September 4th, September 4th which is Tuesday in the primary, and then, of course, in the final election as well, right, in November. Yes. Um, but, Tom, I'm, I'm really proud of being able to say that you are our district attorney, not only for those of us who are in the studio. By the way, there's about six people in the studio today. Uh, we're not all talking. Um, one of the things that I received from your office is called Elder Abuse Prevention. It's a very nice little brochure, and I assume that some of the people who are standing here with us today had a hand in creating this. They're, they're waving at me. Yeah. <clears throat> Eric Poulin's with us from our Community Affairs Division who, who focuses on elder, elderly prevention and Greg Miliotti, uh, Head of Communications, who works with me on spreading the message about this. A couple of points just mentioned about the caregivers. I couldn't agree more. There's many loving caregivers who provide great service and, and they're, they're kind and honest. There's others who are not. And that when you get when someone tries to embrace you or an older person, these are vulnerable victims. That's why I'm focusing on this. Mm. If you are a widow, a widower, whatever the circumstances are, you're single. A lot of these people who, who take advantage of the elderly, they know their prey, so to speak. And what is the standard reaction? And that's a, I'm very glad to hear you did that, Tenny. They get angry. See, that's the standard thing: get angry, storm out because. There are bad motives there. Yes. Uh, be, here's the problem. Uh, this, when you have caretakers of, of whatever they're doing, you have to be very careful. Uh, my father had passed away. He had someone coming in. I'm not suggesting anything amiss, but you don't know these people. All of a sudden, someone leaves and goes somewhere else. They may seem nice, but in the end, money brings out the bad in a lot of people. And it's taken. You give someone a power of attorney – they can go to town, so to speak, on your finances, as you just mentioned. So be very careful. Again, it's not condemning many people who do great work. But when it comes to money, you got two or $3,000 in an envelope and a drawer, watch out. Um, and it's, in the end, a lot of this is about money, isn't it? It is about money. And it's about, you know, when you're dealing with families, again, and I'm not judging anybody, but if I'm well off, I'm probably not going to, take advantage of my mother who I just visited in a nursing home by taking $500. Now, I might there might be circumstances where people get trying to get property, bigger assets, but people have issues, grandchildren or children, drug problems, financial issues, somebody's living close to the vest, they see the opportunity. I mean, it's human, the human condition in all of us not, uh, that that is uh rears itself with some people when they, they see money in the situation, they take advantage of it. The, the unfortunate theme is 
prevention is so critical. That's what we're trying to do, and I can touch on it in a bit, because once the money's gone, mm-hmm. awful tough to get it back. Yes, it is. You know, and it's really uh, biblical when you think about it, too. Um, we've all heard the, uh, the, the verse from the Bible, the love of money is the root of all evil. And it certainly is when it comes to senior fraud and financial fraud for the elder. I agree. I, I hate to say all e- it's the root of all evil. It's the root of a lot of evil. A lot of people do very good things with money, but it's just something about the human condition. If I, if I get a call and myself, it's, oh, you can title something free. Come on down. Free brings out something in us, right? Oh, it's free. We're going to get something for nothing. And that's what it's getting something for nothing can suck people in and – they're going to not get something for nothing. They're going to get nothing for something, which is their money's going to be taken. Right. I want to take a short break here and just mention that um, two weeks ago, uh, Tenney did a seminar in the office at 352 Fonts Corner Road, and it was on the subject of learning about Medicaid and how to protect your home from the nursing home. I also did a presentation at the same time and talked about the new tax bill and some tax features that help people. Uh, that conference, that seminar that morning was actually oversubscribed and we had a couple of people sitting out in the hallway because we had some walk-ins. So the office has scheduled a spillover seminar, if you will, and that's going to be on Saturday, September 8th, um, which is next Saturday. It's going to be at 10 o'clock in the morning at 352 Fonts Corner Road. The most important subject is going to be on how to protect your home from nursing home costs. If you are interested in attending, give a call to 508-998-8858 and make a reservation, and you'll be happy to see them, right, Tenny? Oh, we will be. It's what we call a brunch and learn. So come in and learn something and enjoy some nice quiche and fruit and so forth. We love to do these seminars. They're lots of fun. Well, we're talking about the subject of elder fraud and financial abuse amongst the elderly. If you suspect elder abuse, elder fraud, whether you're a next-door neighbor or another relative or a relative out of state and you're concerned about your older parent, perhaps, who's in Massachusetts, where do we go to report something? Do we call the district attorney's office? Do we go to uh, Bristol County elders? Where are some of the places that we can report elder fraud? Well, there's several. I mean, I think some of the uh, matters start with Bristol Elder Services, uh, who have investigators, and we have a good relationship with them, so matters, if they uh, appear to be criminal, uh, can be um, forwarded to us. Mm -hmm. Some cases go to the police, um, and they report them to us. Some matters are referred to us. uh, We have an investigative unit that can respond to those. Um, And so there's several avenues but, um, but I guess the important thing is some, you need to say something. If you see something that you think is a problem, so you need to speak up and say something. You need to report it to somebody. Absolutely. And one other, uh, I think, a fairly recent initiative, which is important from the Commonwealth of uh, Massachusetts Executive Office of Elder Affairs, is a statewide elder abuse hotline, uh, which is in effect, which I think is important because that is statewide and allows people to call and report uh, claims of abuse, potential uh, criminal activity. That and I, assume, can be, I assume we could do that anonymously, too, basically. I would think so. Yeah. Uh, and that information could be followed to the appropriate agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, there are, as I said, the, that's a new initiative, which I think is a great thing. Uh, You've got to speak up. 
people don't speak up. There's a lot of uh, in a lot of walks of life. It's tough to speak up about some of these things, but um, if you don't, it's going to continue. Well, it's the old expression: if you see something, say something. But it's often very difficult for these elder people to want to expose their problem because they've been trusting. That's the nature of the generation that is being exploited, is to be a trusting person. And obviously they're either lonely or uh, afraid or both. Uh, And this person has been kind to them in some ways or is related. So it's very difficult for these people to come forth and say, yes, I think I'm being exploited. I guess it's also important when people are are a little younger and still of sound mind that they do things like durable powers of attorney and they name people that they can trust to handle their affairs if they cannot do so. Right, Tenny? Oh, yes. That's very important. We always talk about powers of attorney for property and health care powers of attorney. Those are very important documents. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our uh, important discussion with District Attorney Thomas Quinn. We're talking about the subject of elder abuse and elder financial abuse. It can be physical. It can be monetary. And we're also going to get into the, a little bit into the subject of what you're doing to help take dangerous people off the streets. I think that's a very important initiative in your office also. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And welcome back to MoneyWise, ladies and gentlemen. You know, this morning we have two very important guests Our most important guest, obviously, I have to say, is my wife, Attorney Tenny Lance, because I can't go home tonight if I don't say that. But we're also thrilled to have District Attorney Thomas Quinn with us this morning. So welcome back, Tenny and Tom. I agree. Thank you. I I agree. Thank you. I agree with your order of importance. Yes, you have to. We we know what our priorities are in life, don't we? (laughs) Yes. Well, we're we're absolutely thrilled. Unfortunately, Tenny and I have seen in our own respective practices, I do mostly financial services and retirement services, we're very careful how we disclose things to people. The companies we work with don't let us take advantage of people. They want to make sure that proper reserves are kept. We can't take all of somebody's money and invest it into an annuity, for example. We have to use a suitability form, a suitability standard. We have to make a judgment call about whether somebody really knows knows what they're doing and understands what they're doing. And we take great care and great pride, and we turn people down sometimes and say, you don't have enough liquidity to take this money and put it into something else. You have to do those things. You simply have to do them. Go ahead, Jenny. You going to say something? Um, I have a question for Attorney Quinn. Are other counties in Massachusetts taking up this elder abuse uh, standard and creating – particular units that deal with it? I can literally speak for myself. I I can't say that I've come across what we do specifically, but I I really don't know. I mean, my focus is uh, on Bristol County. Um, And as I said, I, I am proud that I have uh, started that unit and put resources into it, not just talked about it. I mean, it is nice to talk about it three years ago and say, oh, isn't it terrible? Isn't it awful? But uh, I am proud that I followed through with it. And, uh, you know, through 
budgetary maneuvering in that, have personnel working it. So uh, I'm not sure if they have the specific unit we have. I mean, these are difficult cases. Sure. Trust family members. It's tough to go. It's tough to do that. It requires a special expertise to to follow up to prosecute the cases. There may not be pure criminal. There may be a moral aspect to it, where you've duped somebody into the power of attorney, or mm-hmm. you're taking advantage of them with their consent. You'll have to answer to that some other day to somebody else. But um, it's not easy work. But I think it's proven very fruitful. And uh, as was mentioned, that. As critical as the prosecution is, I can say we prosecuted this and I brought 50 cases. That's important because there's accountability. What's equally as important and in some cases more important is the prevention initiative. Uh, We have started something recently the last few months of putting uh, uh, messages on the back of some of the uh, Serta buses in the county. And the purpose of that is people there, they see it, the – State uh, Executive Office of Elder Abuse hotline number is there, 1-800-922-2275. So it's right there getting the message out that you are not alone and that you can report these matters so we can attempt to stop them and prosecute them if the facts are there. And that's why I asked you the question because we're very proud of having you in Bristol County having established this unit because we haven't run into it in other places. Uh, well, again, I'll just – I'm going to focus on myself. I mean, we have – there's a lot of activity in our county. You know, there's a lot of matters we have to tend to, but this is a cr- of critical importance. And I think it's so important and so uh, uh, per- pervasive that those are the steps that I've taken. So, And I don't plan on letting uh, – taking my foot off the pedal, so to speak, in terms of our pursuit of uh, – people abusing the elderly. Uh, It comes in a number of forms. We have, you know, it's physical abuse, which is, you know, criminal, obviously terrible, Um, financial, psychological. uh, As I said, uh, I think think it has been effective and we'll continue to do it. And uh, unfortunately, there's plenty of cases in business. Sure. Well, we're, we're thrilled to have you doing what you're doing. Let me ask you a question. Um, we're talking with the district attorney, Thomas Quinn. Uh, Tom, did you ever hear the name Mickey Rooney? Yes. Mickey Rooney, at the age of 90 years old, testified before the U.S. Senate Special Committee on Aging because he was a victim of financial exploitation. Mickey Rooney. And he basically said that uh, he was able to go into court after suffering for years. And this was a uh, his stepson who was involved, and he got a restraining order against his stepson who was bullying him, intimidating him, depriving him of medication and food, and was also draining his financial accounts. Sort of an extreme example. This is a quotation from Mickey Rooney testifying before the Senate. Over the course of time, my daily life became unbearable. I felt trapped, scared, used, and frustrated. But at least he was able to accomplish something and get something done. If it can happen to somebody like Mickey Rooney, it can happen to a parent, to a neighbor, to a friend. It's it's out there, isn't it? Absolutely. And everybody is potentially vulnerable. I mean, if you are together with somebody, it's a little tougher to do where you got – because there's protection there. Someone, the wife or the husband might intervene and say, no, we're not doing this. The more isolated somebody is, meaning they're alone, the more susceptible they are to it. People, uh, the generation of uh, elderly, uh, good manners, trusting, 
loving, caring, supportive of grandchildren, family members, but you just have to be very careful when you're executing documents to give somebody financial control over you. You've got to be very careful, even if it's blood, because a lot of family members have done serious damage to uh, their mother, their aunts, yes. mm-hmm. their family members that they will never recover from. And it's not just – I mean, if somebody stole $1,000 from me, that would bother me. Sure. Now, it wouldn't end me. But what if they – stole 5000 or 10 or 20 from somebody that potentially does ruin them not just the money it's going to the stress psychological stress and anxiety oh, it is. is a is a very heavy toll to pay when you should be if best you can under your circumstances enjoy, you know enjoying uh, that part of your life i'd like to switch gears for just a minute if we could tom and talk just a little bit about one of the other major initiatives in the district attorney's office which is getting dangerous people off the street. And I know you've been doing some things recently. Um, you might have even created a new a new unit for that area. I'm not sure. But what are some of the things that you're doing right now to get people off the street that shouldn't be on the street? Well, primarily, uh, we're using uh, – uh, we're filing for dangerousness hearings against individuals we think are dangerous to the community uh, to try to hold them without bail. Uh I've been in this business 30 years. I've never understood why some people are out on the street. And again, I believe in fairness. I believe in fair treatment of people. But the public has a right to be protected from dangerous criminals, and in many cases they aren't. We've had some high-profile cases recently where people have gotten out. Some uh, 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 people have been killed tragically and in some cases unnecessarily. Um, So – we are moving aggressively to hold people who we think uh, uh, pose a danger to a particular person. There are egregious cases of domestic violence, drug dealing, uh, violence that uh, goes on that goes on on a daily basis. And when those people are released that shouldn't, I take it personally. And frankly, I've kind of had it with some of these people getting out. Glad to hear um, And I have filed legislation earlier this year to increase the time limit for dangerous people to be held. Uh, another issue is when people are out for commission of a crime and they commit another crime, uh, their bail can be revoked for a 60- or 90-day period, but they often are let out again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes no sense. You're found to be dangerous for committing a new crime. You're violating a court order. Now you're at it again to go after a woman or to torment people in the cities. The people who live in the cities primarily pay for uh, these people that are released because they go back into the communities and they intimidate witnesses and they hurt people. So um, I am, again, there's a push for bail reform. I've put procedures forward. There are some technical aspects to this. It's not complicated. Uh, people shouldn't complicate it. I know who basically should be held, whether it's reasonable for them to be or not to be. Dangerous people need to be held in custody, period, and that's what needs to take place. Are you getting support from our state senators and state representatives in this kind of legislation? Yes. Uh, about five or six – you know, within the last year, I had filed a legislation on two issues to uh, eliminate these phony time frames, these unreasonable time frames to try people after they've been found dangerous. Uh, and I've worked with the legislature. Senator Mike Rodericks and the House uh, leg- uh, Judiciary Committee were helpful, increasing the time frame by two months. Uh, I need it 
more time. We needed a year consistent with other uh, criminal rules of procedure. It's a reasonable change. Um, I, I, don't, I don't really think there's a, a, a credible objective to it. We need to box in some of you know, the judges, and I'm saying this respectfully, so they cannot, because they have a particular feeling, let someone out who should not be out. Mm-hmm. It happens too often, and it needs to stop. It's a top priority of mine to change that. Well, I don't, I don't want to go into that particular detail too much about what's the judicial position, but obviously judges have a significant role in this. And I wonder if, if they ever do judicial training to talk about like the standards for dangerousness and when people should be held and not held. And I wonder if the judges ever get any training in that area. I hope they do. Uh, I think you, uh, you have uh, you know, judges bring different experiences and expertises sure. to their uh, particular position, but um, I, I think at times there is this erratic application in of bail laws that are maybe based on personal preferences or feelings. And the cases that I'm talking about, I think the average reasonable non-lawyer would say, this person doesn't belong out on the street. Right. And that's what I'm talking about. Sure. Most people are going to be released with no bail. That's appropriate. Uh, most people should be entitled to fair treatment. I'm a big believer in that. Uh, uh, that's what our system's about. Uh, my late uncle was a well-regarded public defender. I want dangerous people held. The law-abiding citizens who are out there in our cities, in our communities, have a right to be protected from these people. And to have them be released and inflict harm on people, I've just it it really uh, upsets me very much. Well, I think most of our listeners today would be in full agreement with what you're doing and support that particular position. And I'd just like to mention, ladies and gentlemen, that our district attorney has had more than 25 years serving as a prosecutor, uh, including eight years as Bristol County's first assistant district attorney before he became district attorney himself. So this is a man with a lot of experience and, uh, frankly, a lot of good ideas that I certainly agree with. I've been a supporter of you for a long time, Tom. I think you do a great job. I appreciate that. And what I'm trying to do is the best job I can. That is my agenda. I do believe in fairness. But fairness in these cases goes to the public. And I I really couldn't feel more strongly about it. Again, I'm not suggesting detaining people for no good reason. The cases I'm talking about, the vast majority of people would say, yes, that person should be held pending the outcome of their case. Mm. Tenney, Attorney Tenney Lance, can you give us a quick reminder also about – or you're going to make a point. Go ahead. Well, I wasn't going to make a point, but I want to – I can do a quick reminder about two things. One is be sure and go out and vote on September 4th on Tuesday. It's your, uh, your right and your obligation as a citizen to vote. So I hope people will remember that the primary is coming up on Tuesday, September 4th. And on September 8th, we are uh, offering a really fun and interesting brunch and learn session at our office. Which is next Saturday. Next Saturday, and it's at 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, If you would like to attend and learn more about nursing home protection and uh, what the recent tax law has in store for you, then please call 508-998-8800 and reserve a space for yourself. We'd love to see you. Good. Uh, important reminder, um, Bill Vaughn said, by the time you're 80 years old, you've learned everything. You only have to remember it. So I hope that none of us in this room ever get to that position. <laughs> 
One of the things I like to do on the radio show every week is um, I have a tax degree, and we do a lot of tax strategic planning, so I always give a a tax tip. I'm going to do that now. Uh, We've got about another 10 minutes before we wrap up the show and talk about a few things with our district attorney. But I just want to mention that um, if you want to give money away to people, you can give it away consistent with the tax laws. There's a $15,000 exemption where you can give money to any number of people, including children, grandchildren. Um, you may want to get advice on how you will do that. And we now have a much larger estate tax exemption. It won't apply to too many people listening, but I know a couple of people I met with recently that it will apply to. The estate tax exemption is now $11,180,000. So if you don't have more than that much money, you're never going to pay a federal estate tax of course, in Massachusetts, we only have a $1 million exemption, and so you need to think about that. If you're a married couple, this was a tax law that was passed primarily for really ultra-wealthy people. Uh, it's $22,400,000 a married couple can now have. So if that's applying to anybody listening today, you better get some advice from us really quickly about uh, how to protect your money on top of that. And by the way, the estate tax is actually called a unified estate and gift tax, which means you can also give away that much money. So you can either die having that much money and pay no tax, or you can give it away. And just as a quick reminder, Massachusetts has no gift tax. So you can give away money in Massachusetts. If you do give away more than $15,000, the last part of this tax tip is that you need to file a gift tax return with the federal government. So although you can give it away and not pay taxes on it, you have to report it. So just that's my tax tip for this week, Tenny. Just don't gift it to somebody who is abusing the right. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That's why I said get some advice before you do it. And if you're thinking about doing that, um, I, t- I tell uh, parents and clients once in a while, you know, if you're going to give away money to your kids and you do it at Christmas time, and let's say you, you give them each a check for $5,000, that's fine. And then you're going to do it the next year. Make sure you tell them that don't count on this money and don't plan on this money, that you may do it, you may not do it. I gave this advice to somebody this week because then they count on it and then they plan on it and then they figure they're going to get the same amount next year. It's a little bit different than the topic we're talking about today, which is elder abuse, but it's just some very important tax tips because we see people – I just met with somebody two days ago who said, I don't want my kids to know how much money I have. But um, let's come back to um, say a few more things about not only the mass primary, but also talk about avoiding elder financial abuse. In many respects, well, you're, you're at the forefront of this, Tom, our district attorney, Thomas Quinn, and we appreciate everything that you're doing. Um, we've seen so many examples, even in our, in our own offices, that um, – we're, we're just seeing a tiny percentage of it. There's a lot of it that just doesn't get reported at all. That's correct. It doesn't. And that's, <clears throat> as was mentioned, people are ashamed. It's blood relatives in many cases. It's tough to go against them. But I guess the feel, my feeling is you should not be treated like that. And to be have your life savings looted is not right. Something should be done about it. doesn't mean the loved one necessarily has to go to jail, but there should be some accountability. But what is critical above all else is prevention. And that's why I've made the effort to go to every senior center and many other groups 
to speak about prevention and to say that the district attorney is behind you. Do not engage people on the phone. Nothing good is going to come from speaking to somebody you do not know. Do you have somebody in Arizona that is calling you? Well, I think if if you know them, it's going to be your sister or your dear friend. Nothing good is going to come from talking to an Arizona number or a Wyoming number. Uh, even for that matter, in some cases, for local numbers, because that's been happening. And certainly, uh, I don't think you know anybody in Pakistan, so you don't want to send money to Pakistan. You might want to send it to an orphanage in India that was headed by Mother Teresa's order. But other than that, I wouldn't be engaging with uh, uh, people who you do not know, and you have my blessing and authority to hang that phone up quickly. Uh, If you have a message and it's of any import, you can play your message after the call goes. It's going to say, hi, this is Dr. Smith calling. Come get your medication or your appointments on such and such a day. But somebody you don't know, especially when there's an initial hesitation on the line, uh, is out to get your money. And frankly, 90% of the cases, if you do not, if you give up that money over the phone, you will not get it back. cannot be traced. No, and, and even your office can't recover it. It's gone. You know, it's interesting. I learned a few years ago that most of the frauds in this country right now are emanating from Canada. They're coming out of Canada. There's a lot of fraudsters in Canada. But almost every single week, I get one or two calls. It's a 728 number, and then it says Rochester, Mass. And they're all scams. They're all advertising frauds. And so when I see a call number now, 728, and it's coming from Rochester, I just click it off. I don't even take the calls anymore. I get a call from Holliston all the time. Mm. I have not picked it up. Yeah, they're robocalls. Um, and you know something? You mentioned Rochester. That sounds familiar. I haven't gotten it recently. But, uh, again, don't answer those calls. Uh, that's your problem. If you do, hang it up quickly when there's hesitation. They're saying, they're saying something that is just going to be designed to get you into trouble. That is, separate you from your money. And sadly, these calls would not be made if they did not work. Oh, no, they definitely work. We've had this IRS scam that's gone on. I've, they've tried to scam me. They s- tried to scam my late father. A lot of people in my office have gotten calls who are not elderly. Um, grandparent scam praying on the fear of a grandparent, saying your, your grandchild's in custody, we need money. And I've been to forums where uh, a woman came very close to giving the money up. She went to the CVS, but she was crying, and uh, the clerk intervened and stopped that. Good. So, And I don't – those people should not be ashamed of that because they're preying on people who – that strikes right at the core. Your grandson's in jail. He, he's in Mexico. He's – whatever it is. Uh, he's not in Mexico. He's not in Canada. He's not in jail. At least call up your child and say, where is the, uh, where's, where's my grandson? So uh, there's a lot of ways to prey on people, and they are very successful. I had a matter uh, quickly in Florida, grandparent scam. Uh, I'll abbreviate it, but mm-hmm. five grand they got them to cough up, so wow. to speak. Uh, they reported to the police the only reason that anything came of it was after getting the money, the thief, who was a prior thief, no surprise, right, went to the girlfriend. She said, where'd you get all that money from? Uh, she knew he didn't work. She called the police on him. Good. Huh. But that doesn't happen much. No. <laughs> so, well, the old expression is if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. And you have to be very cautious. I guess the other thing you could do with telephone calls, if you're not sure who it is and you have a telephone recording machine, let the phone just take a message yeah, and then that, play it back and that, listen to that's it. That's the most prudent thing because I, I don't answer my own my home phone. I have a cell phone. If there's a message left, I'll call. 
Well, unfortunately, as I said, uh, even in the scope of our office, and Tenny runs the law firm, she does mostly estate planning and Medicaid planning, uh, she's seen lots of examples. In, in my business doing retirement and financial planning, I've seen lots of examples of it. And, you know, we're just a local office, so it's, it's out there, folks. You need to be protective. Um, here's another little thing you could do. Uh, definitely call that 800 hotline. Do we have that number again we can give yes. the elder uh, hotline? The Executive Office of Elder Affairs Statewide Elder Abuse Hotline, if you are aware of a suspect abuse, 1-800-922-2275. 1-800-922-2275. Thank you for that. And Attorney Tenny Lance, thank you for being with us this morning. If you have a question also and you want to just talk about something, give Tenny a call at 508-998-8858. She'll be happy to sit down with you. It's a confidential meeting. It won't cost anything. Tell her what the problem is. And if she thinks it's something that needs to be reported uh, to District Attorney Tom Quinn and his team, then she can help you make that call as well. So. Do something. Don't just do nothing. And don't forget to vote. Yeah, don't forget to vote on September 4th. Uh, uh, It's going to be my pleasure to mark the ballot for you, Tom, running for district attorney. Get out and vote, folks. It's a privilege to live in this country. It's a privilege to be able to vote. If you don't vote, you can't complain. But most importantly, uh, you're running unopposed in the primary, correct, Tom? So even though Tom is running unopposed – Get out there and give him a vote anyway to show your support for what he's doing to protect you, to protect the elderly, to get dangerous people off the street. And we thank you so much for being with us this morning, Tom. Thank you for Um, having me. Always a pleasure. I want to leave you all with a parting quotation. This is from Pearl Buck, a great author. Our society must make it right and possible for old people not to fear the young or be deserted by them. For the test of a civilization is the way that it cares for its helpless members. Good quotation. Thank you for being our guest this morning. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you.